today. And let's say it. The Word of God is true. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Before you're seated, I want us to pray. Uh, Most of you have followed the uh, Charleston, South Carolina tragedy and the demonic attack that took place by that young man out there, that uh, unbelievable tragedy. I was watching the Fox News uh, commentary on it the other night, and they listed the names, the reverend, the pastor of the church, Clementa Pickney, Mira Johnson, Sharonda Coleman, Singleton, Reverend Daniel Simmons, Tawanza Saunders, Ethel Lance, Susie Jackson, Cynthia Hurd, DePayne Middleton, Doctor. They range in age from 26 to 74. Unbelievable what the devil using that person did. Powers, principalities of darkness. The son of one of the ladies that was killed was interviewed. He's an athlete at the college there. And he said something that was just so profound in the midst of a horrible tragedy. And that was, I choose to forgive. Love is stronger than hate. Uh, It was an amazing statement that he made. The devil wants to do anything he can to stir up strife. He's the author to kill, steal, and to destroy. There's no place for racial hatred in the world today. God is the God of the human race. No place for racial hatred. That was a hate crime that needs to be punished and punished severely. But thank God for the people of that church who are rising up at Emmanuel AME Church having their services today and proclaiming that we choose to walk in love and not hate. You can try to dissolve hate forever. Never going to work. But you can fill people with love and it will drive hate out. And we're going to talk about that today. The key is to understand God's love for all of humanity. Father, You know the grieving hearts that are there in that church for the families, the extended families. All of those people who went to that Bible study that night to study more and learn more about you, they're alive and well. Their time ended far too quickly, but we know that they're alive and well. And Lord, we just pray that during this grieving process, your love, your compassion, the peace that surpasses all understanding will be there for all of them. We believe it in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, tell that neighbor next to you, God wants to bless you. We're glad to see all of you here today. You are a a blessing to us and if you have your bible you can turn to first john chapter four we're going to be reading there um i thought as my wife was 
telling that story about that man and the three children at the Cracker Barrel that she bought lunch for. I said, honey, he may have been the guy in the outhouse in Oklahoma that you tried to rescue one time, too. Now, that, that's a personal uh, inside story, so I know you want to know the rest of it, so I can't leave him blank. But Pat, Pam and I had just recently been married. We were married, weren't we? I think we were, yeah. Yeah, we were married. And, uh, and so we're walking to this baseball game, and, and there's a little outhouse on this dirt road next to a fence. And she says, honey, I think there's somebody trapped in that outhouse. Actually, she said, I think there's a man trapped in that house. And I thought, how does she know it's a man? But anyway, you know, and uh, she said, yeah, you need to go see. And I said, I'm not going over there in that house. And she says, it's hot. He could suffocate. And I said, well, I'm not going. And I said, if you want to go, you go. And sure enough, there she goes up this little outhouse. And uh, she's knocking on this outhouse door. Are, are you okay? And I think, gee, what did I marry? And she's... <laughs> And, and there's no answer. There's no answer. So I walked over there, and I'm kind of looking around. And here's this cow up against the fence, banging against the side of it. And every once in a while, you hear this, like, you know, a little thump like that. And it's, it's the cow. And she said, are you all right in there? And I said, what the guy would open that door and say, I'm all right. Leave me alone. <laughs> we laugh about that to this day. And I turned to her when she came back after she shared that with you, and I said, Honey, that man might have been the guy in the outhouse out there in Oklahoma. (laughs) You know, when she was telling that story, some of you have heard it before, but when she was telling that story about me and that $100 tithe check, she didn't tell the rest of the story that when I took the check over there reluctantly, but I knew it was the right thing to do to the accounting department and dropped it off. I went back to my office and I sat down in my office and I started to cry. And, uh, and I said, God, I don't know what to do as all the money we had. I trust you, but I don't always trust that I hear from you. So I don't know what to do. And, uh, and I just sat in my office and cried. And uh, that was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 o'clock, somewhere around in there. At 6 o'clock that night, just about at 10 minutes till 6, one of the VBI teachers came in that taught June Austin, uh, taught how to study the Bible. She walked in, came into my office. She said, Bill, God spoke to me this morning and said, I'm supposed to take you $100 and you'll know exactly what it means. And I had the money for the groceries the same day that I planted the seed. And we've never not tithed since then. This is a misnomer, but I was a selective tither. There is no selective tither. So turn to your neighbor and say, you either tithe or you're not. I tithed when I felt like it. I tithed when I had money. And when I didn't, I didn't. And uh, was never blessed consistently either. So I guarantee you, God wants to bless you. We're going to talk today about abiding in God's love and, and how that if the world would embrace and have a clue about what God's love is all about, it could change and would change the entire world. And that when you have an understanding and a revelation of His love, it changes everything about you. And when you study 1 John chapter 4, especially verses 7 through 19, I'll paraphrase much of it for you, but it talks about how perfect love casts out all fear and how that Jesus basically wanted us all to walk in love and then how we are even to abide in that love. Now, that's a word that we don't use a great deal of. And in 1 John chapter 4, it says we should love everybody. And if you don't love, if you, and he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then it ends, and not ends, but in verse number 16, it says, 
And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And the word abide means to coil about and and to become as one. And in the world today, there is a, a, a lack of love for what God created. In the very beginning, God created mankind in his image. And God is love, 1 John 4, 8. And so therefore, God wanted his love to be in each and every one of us. But because the devil was given authority on this world, on this earth, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy, 1 Peter 5, 8. And that if we understand what the love does in our lives and how it can flow to other people's lives, it will change the people in our sphere of influence. And when you get to that point that you're walking in that love, people are going to be drawn to that love in you. They may not know what it is, but it's that unconditional love. Now, this is the first test in this particular message. Unconditional love has what condition? That was a little weak. We'll do it one more time. Larry Campbell, I know you're going to get this, okay? (laughs) Unconditional love has No. no condition. Is that right? In other words, it's just an act and a decision that we make that we're going to love everyone. As God was giving me this message and I was praying about it, I thought, I've got to go to my next-door neighbor and apologize to my next-door neighbor. His dog has bitten my dog twice. Finally, on the second bite, I went over and told him, if you don't take care of your dog, I'm going to shoot your dog, and I don't mind shooting the dog. And based on his reaction, I thought, I don't mind shooting you either. But, <laughs> but it wasn't exactly in line with the mes- message. Uh, but but uh, I realized I, I didn't handle it quite right. Now, I was serious that if you keep biting my dog and try to kill my dog, I'm going to shoot your dog, but I would rather work with you on this deal. And, and when I got all finished with it, I realized I wasn't showing very much love and compassion to this guy because when I was praying about it, and I said, now, God, this is a peaceful neighborhood. We had a great time for a long time. Now i got this guy who moves in next door uh, living with this little girl over here, and that's okay. I don't have a problem with that, but his dog wants to bite my dog, and that i got a problem with. And uh, he said, you made a mistake when you told him you are going to shoot his dog. That's what I heard in my spirit. And I said, yeah, but I am. And I said, it's still a mistake. You know? <laughs> and and uh, he said, he loves his dog as much as you love your dog. And that even though his dog is doing wrong, that doesn't mean he's going to let you shoot his dog. And I got a point there, God. You know, I know the Lord's always happy when I tell him he's got a point. But, <laughs> but, but it, it really made sense to me at the time that I really alienated this guy by not walking in love, but just telling him, I'm going to wipe your dog out. Now, I didn't tell him exactly like that, but that's exactly how I meant it. Uh, but, but anyway, what, 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 what I've got to do is set the record straight with this guy. And, and, and make sure everything is okay. Now, the devil loves to stir up strife. The devil loves to stir up strife. You know, there's a, there's a big move right now, and I don't want to, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but, but uh, you know, sometimes you do things because it's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, there's, there's been a problem with the Confederate flag in South Carolina for a long time. Whatever your opinion is, that's fine. But if you just thought about it, it'd be a lot easier to take the flag down and forget about the flag than to make the flag an issue and have dissension constantly. Does that make sense? In other words, it's wrong for the guy to have a dog that wants to bite my dog. 
but it would be better if we worked together to take the path of least resistance and to do something drastic. If a flag is causing people challenges because of what it represents, it sounds to me like it'd be a lot better to take the flag down. Anything that represents slavery is wrong. Does that make sense to you? Anything that represents slavery is wrong. Now, I don't want to take sides because I used to live in South Carolina when I was in a service. South Carolina is a different state. It is a beautiful state, but when I lived in South Carolina, it was the 1960, 60, or 61 and 62. It was the first time I ever came in contact directly with segregation. And at that moment, and this is not a message on segregation, but at that particular moment, I, I had never experienced it. And we had a bunch of our friends uh, who were African-American, played ball with them on the base team there and all. And when we first arrived in South Carolina to go to a movie, uh, we couldn't sit together. We did, uh, but we couldn't sit together. We went into the movie theater, and these guys were from the north too, so they didn't know either, these African-American guys that were with us. We went to the movie theater, and they had to sit in the balcony, and we could sit on the first floor. We could go to the balcony with them, but they couldn't go to the first floor with us. That was 1961. Folks, memories are long, and anything that represents that type of a demonic thing that was in our country needs to be dissolved. Love will do that, but hate won't. You can hate something and hate a system and hate a situation, or you can love people that are involved with it, and love will change it. I don't know if this makes sense to you or not, but in the in the restaurant business when I was there years ago, uh, we uh, when we would drain. Any of you ever work in a restaurant? Uh, if you drain a shake machine at the end of the night, uh, so this is burger chefs, but you drain the shake machine at the end of the night, you would always have overrun. Overrun had a little bit of bacteria in it, which is not uncommon in any kind of a shake type thing, and, but it would always foam up as you drain the shake machine. And, and they would teach you in, in school the right way to do it was to take a ladle and take all the overrun and scrape it off. Well, if you weren't careful, the minute you touched it, the overrun would start to sink and it would go down and then you have to wait for it to come back up and it, was a, it just took too long. The best way to do it was to pour in the fresh mix and as it poured that in, the overrun would come up to the top and then you just shake it all up and push it off the side, it would all be gone. You fill yourself up with love. Don't be concerned about finding out where the hate is, and you'll change the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all about love. It's all about love. Now, what you have to do to be able to walk in that kind of love is to be able to experience it and have it. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, this is a powerful scripture encouraging you and I as to how we are supposed to walk. It says, therefore, be, this is Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as dear little children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So what are we to walk in? We are to walk in love. Can we walk in love? We have that love, each and every one of us. And I want to share a couple of stories with you. Years and years ago, and Lori's here, she'll, she was there for the story, our daughter. But years ago, when Pam and I had first got married, Pam had a, a, an uncle by the name of Gene who lived in Michigan City. We would occasionally go see Gene 
and Gene, uh, it didn't matter what room we were in, if I walked into the room, Gene got up and went to the other room. And Gene didn't even know me, but I knew he didn't like me. And I never understood that. And it went on for a long time. Now, I knew that Gene was an alcoholic. And he was uh, still married at that time and still teaching at the school, a principal, not teaching, but a principal of a, a 5A school up in Michigan City. He's given his testimony here. How many of you have been here when Gene gave his testimony? He's going to be coming back. I've talked to him and do it again. It's a power. Powerful, powerful testimony. But anyway, Gene just, I knew Gene did not like me. How many of you realize some people don't seem to like you? Uh, and, and if you ever feel like just kind of giving them a piece of your mind, and uh, no, you don't want to do that. And uh, so, but, but anyway, I never felt that way about Gene, but I told Pam that one time, and so oh, I, don't, I don't think he doesn't like you, and I said, well, uh, all I know is I can drive him out of a room real quick by, uh, by walking in whatever room he's in, and he's out of there. But one day I was praying, and I felt like God said, Someday you and Gene will become friends. And I thought, yeah, that'll be the day. They don't see any evidence of that. And one day we get a call. Fast forward uh, about four or five years later, we get a call out in uh, Tulsa. Gene has called us. Now, by now, uh, he has uh, been divorced by his wife. He has been fired as the principal of a 5A school, and he's living in his car as a full-blown alcoholic. And he calls and asks if he could come out and stay with us for a while. He's going to go into an alcohol rehab center at the City of Faith that at that time Oral Roberts had, and that it wasn't just a higher power, it was the power of Jesus Christ in the very step program, and that that final step was Jesus Christ. And he came out. And when he arrived at our house, I, uh, Lori, I don't know if you saw his car. You probably did. But it, it looked like it needed to be impounded. It was just unbelievably bad. Well, he, he really got set free in this AA program. It was his sixth or seventh program he had been through. And, and right after that, we told him, you need to go to Bible school. And we put him in Victory Bible Institute. And he got a job digging a ditch for the church at minimum wage. And, and he murmured and complained constantly. I found out through Uncle Gene that you can be blessed by murmuring and complaining all the time. <laughs> so turn to your neighbor and say, there's hope for you. Gene murmured and complained all the time. I'm making minimum wage. My daughter's graduating from high school, wants to go to college, wants to go to medical school, and I'm making minimum wage and I have no money. He murmured and bickered all the time. But he was growing in the Word. And fast forward a little bit further, he ended up, his daughter received a full scholarship to Indiana University all expenses, boarding, food, everything paid for almost overnight because he went in that ditch. I believe that with all my heart. And not only that, but today she has her doctorate and she is doing extremely well and flourishing back there in Michigan City. But the key, the real key, I believe, was that Gene Albert experienced something that every single one of us need to experience. He found the love of God. He found out how much God loved him. He knew how bad he'd been. He knew the situation and circumstances in his life, but he did not understand God's love. Once you have a revelation of how much God loves you, 
then you can become everything that God wants you to become. Paul said the greatest gift is love, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And it is because with love, you can overcome and conquer anything. And I know even in my, my own life, when Pam and I first got married, there was something inside me that wanted to embrace God's love for me, but I didn't have the revelation of that love. I did not understand what Jesus stated in Mark chapter 12, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. What was the the greatest commandment of all? I didn't have a revelation of that. And there were times when I would try to embrace his love and try to walk the way I was supposed to walk, and then times when I would really lose it. Short-tempered, short-circuited, you saw that. You obviously saw something good in me or you wouldn't have married me. I saw something good in you, I would have married you. But then after you married me, you realize that, whoa, this guy's got a little bit of a temper here. My secretary tried to warn you, didn't she? <laughs> but, but, but we were growing, and God said that your marriage will be a reflection of my love and that it will be a love that will flow from you. And at that time, I really did not have a revelation of who I was trying to be and have that love that God had. And I'll never... This this happened probably 10 years after that fact of what I just described. But Pam had a note from our daughter, Lori, that she had sent to her mom about this new guy who is now her stepfather. And it said, don't show Bill this note because I don't want to see him grit his teeth. And, uh, and, and, and I, now I saw this note many, many years later which I'm glad I saw many, many years. And I said one day, is that true? Is that, was I really like that? I said, yes. How many of you realize you have some shortcomings? Turn to your neighbor and tell Annabelle is saying, no, you can't be me, right? <laughs> I, I Surely I can't say that. But, but anyway, that's our granddaughter for those of you who don't know. But, but here, here's the key that will change your life. It changed Uncle Gene's life. It changed my life. When I got saved, I went to the first assembly, and uh, excuse me, I was saved in the office of the pastor of the first assembly of God here in Lafayette. Name is Charles Hackett. Wonderful man of God. uh, Retired now. And when I received Jesus, I started attending that church. And I was feeling God's love. I, that Charles Hackett was a man of love. I just love that man. I still do. And, and I always felt love when I was around him. And we attended the church, church there shortly, and then we went on to Tulsa. But, but I didn't understand, I didn't have a revelation of what love, unconditional love really was all about that Jesus speaks about in Mark chapter 12. And so... I heard a doctrine at the First Assembly of God that God loves you, but I also heard that if you've ever been through a divorce, then God really can't use you in ministry because that's contrary to his will. Well, I had been through a divorce. Pam had been through a divorce. I felt horrible about what I had been through, about the whole situation, the good, the bad, the ugly no good in a divorce, the bad and the ugly. And, and so, I, so I felt still bad about myself even sitting in that church. But then God took us to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I heard 
the same gospel preached with an addition. I heard that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that whatever God's original plan for you was is still there. And God had been speaking things to me and even through other people that I was hearing. It's like, you guys don't understand where I've been, what I've done, and that God can't use me. Pam even wanted me to apply for a position one time at First Assembly of God before we left there looking for a children's pastor. Can you imagine me as a children's pastor? (laughs) But anyway, you can't now, can you? (laughs) But I don't know. I might be able to do it. But anyway. But anyway, I said, honey, you, I, you can't be in ministry if you failed like I have failed, like you have failed. We can't be in ministry. Now, I don't fault anybody who has a doctrine who believes that. But in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we heard something different. We heard, no, God doesn't hold anything against you once you become a new creation because of his love. And then it was like, well, no, wait a minute. Maybe we can accomplish whatever God wants us to accomplish. Well, God is no respecter of persons. And what he's done for one, he's done for all. And and I want to share with you in John chapter 15, it's a powerful scripture of Jesus giving us a commandment. And in John chapter 15, if you study the whole chapter, really, but especially leading up to Uh, uh, verse number 17, or it's verse number uh, 17, Uh, Jesus is saying that greater love has no one than you would lay down your life for your friend. And if you're my friends, verse number 14, you'll do whatever I command you to do. And in verse number 17, he says, these things I command you that you love one another. Now, it's, it's important that this, you understand that this is a commandment that Jesus is giving us, that we're going to love one another. Well, not everybody is lovely, and sometimes we don't even understand what this love means. So we're going to fast forward into the book of Mark chapter 12, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? And he responded And said, the greatest commandment of all is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And that this is the greatest commandment of all. And when I got involved in that scripture, I realized the challenge that I had, the challenge that Uncle Gene had, and the challenge that most people have, is that they, they accept God's love, and God is love, and that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the presence of God's love within us. But then, once we receive that, and we believe that, and we have a revelation of that love, that God really does love me, then the second commandment that he gave is the commandment not of loving your neighbor, it sounds like that, but that's just the way it's worded. The, be- the second is to love yourself, because out of the way you love yourself is what will flow to your neighbor. 
I used the example in the first service because I'm out of toothpaste. <laughs> I don't know why it came to me. But if you squeeze toothpaste, what comes out of it? These are easy, by the way. If you squeeze toothpaste, Annabelle, you're going to get this. If you squeeze toothpaste, what comes out of it? If you squeeze something, whatever is in that is what comes out of that. And, and uh, my toothpaste is totally empty. I, I shared with the first server. I don't know why it was funny. I didn't think it was funny. But Pam has toothpaste that I can always borrow, but it's horrible. What is that stuff? Aquafresh? Oh, how many Aquafresh people in here? One, two, three. How many Colgate? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, anyway, Uncle Gene knew and came to a revelation in the process of coming out there. He ruined his family. He should have never done what he did. He became an alcoholic, and all of those things were facts. But God had forgiven him, forgotten, forgotten it totally, and that God wanted Gene to see himself the way he saw him. He didn't see himself with all the baggage. He saw himself totally cleansed of all of the unrighteousness. And Gene began to change. Every single part of his life began to change. When we went to Tulsa, my life began to change. And I came face to face with the fact I can remember all the things that I did and all the problems I caused, or I can see myself the way God sees me. If I love myself, the way God loves me, God can use me and that can flow out to people everywhere that I go. But if I'm locked up with the challenges that I had in my life and my past, I can't be used by God to flow that love to other people. And that is exactly the same thing that's true for you. If you don't have that good, healthy love for yourself like God has for you, then you will think about the things that aren't right in your life. And I've, I've shared this many times from this pulpit. Most people who strike out with anger or hatred have issues that they've never resolved in their own life. And until you resolve those issues and understand God loves you unconditionally, there are no conditions. You should love yourself unconditionally with no conditions. See, there are no conditions to love. So when you love yourself that way, you can love other people who are imperfect. Every person on the face of this earth is a work in motion. And when this one boy, one young man said that on Fox News and I watched him and he said, the the son of the one lady that was killed, uh, the beautiful young lady and uh, his mother, and, and said, love is stronger than hate. I choose to forgive. What a powerful, powerful statement. Not looking at the situation at hand based on right or wrong, because the situation is wrong. But looking at the situation, I'm going to walk in love no matter what. When you reach that point in your life, it'll set you free to be everything that God has called you to be. Many of us, as a matter of fact, I would say when we were at Bible school, 
most people that came, it wasn't just a revelation of righteousness they, they needed to have. They definitely had to have that. But then they had to go on past righteousness to see themselves the way God sees them, full of his love, so that when you look in that mirror, you love what you see, not not detest the past and what you've done. Does that make sense to all of you? See, nobody spends more time with you than you. And this is not a message to be conceited. It's not a message to be self-centered. It's a message to realize my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, suffered horribly for me so that he would defeat the works of the devil. He would cleanse me of all of my sin. His love would come in and set me free and live within me. And I would allow that love to flow everywhere that I go. Loving that guy at the Cracker Barrel, paying for his lunch. Loving the lady. It doesn't have to be a lady, but it seems like in my case it's normally a lady. Uh, the lady at the McDonald's who wants to pull in front of you to get her order before you at the drive-thru window. You know, all those kind of things. You just, just, you just reach the point when you love people. Now, I know this is true in my life. We'll see if it's true in yours. If I really have that God love for myself, that healthy self-image love, and I feel good about myself, and I love myself, I can love people so easily. But if I'm hurting in an area of my life, if I'm wounded, if I haven't settled an issue, if I'm drifting somewhere in my thought life where I shouldn't be drifting, I can be very quick and very short with other people. Can I see the hands of all the people who know somebody like that? Thank you. You came to the right service. Your hand is raised. Thank you. And, and now, but, but see, we don't have to be that way. And we never are happy once we do that. You know, the proverbial, I just gave somebody a piece of my mind. That's the problem. You gave away too many pieces. That type of thing. You know what I'm talking about. We, we get to the point when we always feel bad when we snap or we do something out of anger or hatred or rage or all of those types of things. But we always feel good. How did you feel when you bought that guy's lunch? I'm, sh- I'm sure you felt awesome. Well, you know, how did you feel when you knocked on that house? I'm sure you felt awesome. At least you tried. But, 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 but we've got it. My wife, I have never, and, and some of you come close, but, but I've never met anyone who loves people the way my wife does. She was the first person that I really met that was Christ-like, and I wanted what she had. I didn't know what it was, but I wanted it. One more than that, too, but that's all right. Let's, <laughs> let's stand to our feet. She is a beautiful lady and an example of Christ, and I love her dearly. Now, I want to leave you one more scripture. It's in, it's in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, it says, All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I spent a lot of time in the beginning part of our marriage and the beginning part of my life walking with the Lord where if the truth were known, I hated myself, but I love God. Does that make sense? I love God. I knew, I, I couldn't understand it, but I knew if I died, I was going to heaven. But I hated myself. Because the more revelation I had of the Word, the more I realized how many years I'd wasted. 
and the harm I'd caused by not being able to walk by faith and understanding what life was all about. But once I received the revelation of loving myself, set me free. It's a constant fight of faith because the devil's always walking about. Yeah, what about this? What about that? Covered by the blood. Don't have to go there. And I say to you that when, when it says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I believe our highest call on this earth is to walk like Christ and to touch lives for people and with people, to find the uncle genes of this world and open yourself to them, to be a conduit for that love to flow out. I know this. When I first met Charles Hackett, I wanted what he had, but I didn't know what he had. When I first met Joe Livesey, I wanted what he had, but I didn't know what he had. When my secretary got saved and I knew her background, and she came in and tried to help me. I hated what she was doing because of the devil that was driving me, but I knew I wanted what she had because I didn't know what it was. Love can change the world. You can try to root out all the hate that's in the world. I think you're just wasting time. But I think if you want to infuse the world with the love of God, you can change the world. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? All over this church, I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. Do you know if you would to die today, you would be in heaven? Maybe you're here and you're like the prodigal son. You know that you have walked away from the things of God. I have good news for you. God is calling you back because he loves you. He loves you. And if I've described you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. If you would say, Pastor, you... You described me. You described my life. And I know that I'm not right with the Lord, but I want to be. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air. We're going to pray for you. Yes, I see your hand all the way back there in the back. Yes, I see your hand all the way back there. Are there others? Holy Spirit will be moving. And if it's you, the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand over here. We'll wait a moment as the Holy Spirit moves. Are there others? You'd say, I, I know my life isn't right. Pray for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are there others? You'd say, pray for me. Yes, I see your hand. Yes. I see your hand over here. I'm going to wait just a moment. Anyone else? You say, I know God is speaking to me. I know my life is not right. 
Those of you that lifted your hands, would you quickly come down here with us? Lady all the way back there in the back row next to David. Yeah, give them a hand as they come. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, all the way back there in the back. Yeah, keep it up. Honey, why don't you come on down here with me? Angels in heaven rejoicing at this moment. Set your hands out here toward these. We are glad that you are with us today. We are glad to see all of you. I want you to say this prayer after me and let it be the prayer coming from your heart for the Lord. Let's pray together. Let's all join them. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you to become all that you desire for me to be. 